Hashtag SAFM LNC. This part of the program is not suitable for sensitive listeners and for anyone under the age of 18. Note that the views expressed on this show are not that of the station or the presenter. Closet Conversations. Let's welcome our A-team guest, Corner Olifier, who's uh, HPCSA, um, CSA registered counsellor in the private practice. And she's got a master's degree in psychology. She's a lecturer in psychology at a private institution, tertiary institution. And we're talking blended families in our closet conversations. So, you know, no one under the age of 18 should be tuned in right now. Let's let's be open and frank uh, with each other as A-teamers. Blended families, step-parenting, Perhaps you grew up in a family that's blended. Perhaps you're a step-parent. Let's talk about these experiences and how we can make them healthy and holistic for all of us. Thank you very much for joining us, Corna. It's been such a long time. How are you doing? Yes, it's lovely to talk to you again. I'm fine, thank you. So the concept of a blended family, earlier on I expanded it a, a, a bit because in South Africa we've got the uniqueness, and not only just South Africa, in Africa, um, and I see the West is also doing it quite often, um, that of uh, polygamous families and polyandrous families mm-hmm. that makes that family, a blended family, by mere virtue that there'll be three mothers or four mothers and mm. one father. So it's it's a whole different dynamic. And we also know that for me, I don't know, you can correct me, but a blended family is a family that's non-traditional. Um, so you can have two males who are in who are married, but they're homosexual and they have a child. They've For me, that is a blended family because dynamics are different. Two women who have done mm. a child. And then there's a step parenting as well. So let's start with the blended families. And if my definition is incorrect, please correct me. You know, I really like your definition, actually. Of course, traditionally, when you are looking at the therapeutic kind of relationship, we normally refer to blended families as when a man and a woman or a a couple got divorced and they are then blending with another family. So another divorced person or maybe somebody who's a widow or a widower um, then come together and both of these individuals have got their own children who now then becomes this blended family. Um, but in a um, in the situations where you are speaking about, it's very interesting. I've um, lived in the Middle East for a while and, um, you know, of course, there the norm is very much to have three or four um, women wives in a family with one parent. And it's very much the same kind of thing, you know, a blended situation where we've got half siblings, half brothers and sisters. And um, yes, challenging all around, but also very fulfilling if you can make it work. So blended families come in different shapes and sizes. And uh, before we go into the step parenting, I mean, what are some of uh, the dangers that one can face getting into a blended family? Um, And how do we avoid those? (laughs) You know, I think parenting is probably the most challenging occupation. um, Oh, tell me about it. (laughs) Because you are... You as a parent, um, you know, everything that you say and do literally stays with your children in their, almost in their DNA for the rest of their lives. You know, we create their blueprints for love. We create their blueprints for what a family looks like. So it is so important that we sort of 
have our eyes on the future in a sense, you know, like um, weighing every, not just words, you know, but every interaction. Um, and it is, it's so hard because a lot of times the things that parents do, they do out of concern or fear. But then, of course, the child may experience that in a negative sense, you know, like a rejection or a, I am not good enough or they are not wanted, you know. So um, I think the most important thing probably is that thing of communication so that we understand our kids understand why we are doing what we are doing and that absolute unconditional um, positive regard for your children, you know, um, whether they are your partner's children or your own, but everyone in the family, um, you know, you need to somehow have them understand that this, what you are doing is for them and for you as a family unit. A-teamers, please join in. Are you in a blended family? How's it been going? Share your challenges. Um, share your wins, your victories. I want to hear those victories on how you're making it work. Are you are, are you children getting along? Um, was it an easy thing to start off? I mean, yes, you and your partner wanted to get into this marriage, but it had these young people that you need to merge. How are things going? Please call in on 011-714-2006 or you can WhatsApp app 614 uh, SMSs go to 41391. So blended families, right? If if the children don't get along, and mm-hmm. um, and I can only imagine, I mean, I, oh, my kids, <laughs> my kids have their times where they have altercations amongst themselves and I have to come mm-hmm. in like, stop it, guys. So I can imagine if they come from two separate parents and they don't get along and you don't have the same parenting style, especially if they are much Mm. older. How do you handle that with kids not getting along in the same household? I think the one of the most important things there is that the parents together have to sort of decide on an action plan um, so that they have the same, so that they are sort of a united front, you know, so that the mom, for example, doesn't allow things um, for her children and not the partner's children or the other way around, you know. So I think it's very important to have an agreement, um, you know, as to what your involvement will be in each other's families. And of course, I think the underlying thing there is respect. Um, So even in a, you know, in a non-blended family, children don't get along, you know, sometimes there's personality clashes, of course, there's sibling rivalries and all of these things. Mm. And we have to um, establish sort of rules of engagement in the house, you know, where you, yes, so we don't like each other. We are not getting along, but we are going to agree on the following things. Um, <laughs> when my kids were little, um, we had three rules in the house and that was, you're not allowed to hurt anyone. You're not allowed to say bad things and you're not allowed to break anything, you know? So if you have a kind of a, set of rules that everyone agree with but now as your children becomes older of course it's important for them to buy into this you know so then we have to start thinking about having small family meetings where you know we sort of table an issue 
where, um, you know, oh, it might be a room that is being shared that the one um, sibling is untidy and the other one is terribly tidy. How are we going to handle that? But communication, communication, communication and agreed mutual respect, I think, is so important there. Oh, I agree with you. Let me go to ATM Apostle Paul on the line. Good evening, Apostle. Thank you, Patricia. Great topic, eh? Uh, Patricia, I greet you and I greet also your guest over there. I just want to say that uh, uh, this is very, very interesting, especially here in Africa, where we found one papa and then three mothers or two mothers and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pose a very important question, the dangers of such things. In the Bible, we saw the danger, like uh, one son called Reuben went to bed with his own father. So he goes into such things because he sees this is not my mother, so I can go for it. Uh, coming back here myself, I've got two wives, one Zambian, one Zimbabwean. And the first, she has uh, two children. I found her with two children after the death of her first husband. And the second, uh, with three children after the death of her first husband. So the danger in such marriages is when you say, these are my wife's children. I don't really look at it in that way. I say, these are my God-given children. It makes it much, much easier. And when you start having your own children, biological children with these, uh, your wife or these wives, then you're going to see that there won't be any problem because you don't show any favor to your own children. You treat them the same. You show them the same love. And this helps a great deal. Mm. So as I'm speaking to you now, I've got my two biological children and I've got my five God-given children and we have one adopted child. So you can imagine, I've got eight children and we are so much in peace and we bless God for it. Well, I, lo- I love what you call your children. You say they are your God-given children, and you don't mm-hmm. refer to them as your stepchildren. So clearly, there's a yeah. there, there's a different type of approach that you are taking in terms of your family setup. How are your wives towards each other? It, it's a blended family. Two women together here. It can become very hectic. How are they, are they towards friends, each other? Yeah? Mm. They are really good friends, and they respect each other. Oh, wonderful, wonderful! Thank you so very much, Apostle Paul, for sharing with us your experience. God bless you, mom. And the magic is the Bible. Have biblical meetings every night as mm. before going to bed. It just makes wonders. Excellent. Thank you so very much, uh, Apostle Paul there. That's our A-teamer who doesn't say he's got stepchildren, but rather says it's God-given children and uh, you don't show favoritism. Corner, um, I've heard what the A-teamer said, and I'm sure you have heard it too. Uh, what does it make you, you know, want to reiterate to those who are in blended <laughs> families, especially the the adults? Because that communication you were talking about between the children can only be facilitated by the parents who are impartial yes. when dealing with their children. Absolutely. I just have to say it was it's such a beautiful way in which to look at your children. I really have to. Um, yeah, I will remember this and take it with me. And thank you to the caller that called in. That is such a beautiful gift. Um, of course, it's the parents that that set the tone and, you know, like um, facilitate and guide the relationships within the families. Um, the thing that Apostle Paul said that I really 
um, I think is so important to point out is he said that they have, um, I can't remember the words, but like religious meetings, mm. you know, maybe they pray or read the Bible in the yes. evenings, you know, um, family rituals is so important because this brings you as an entire family together, you know, whether it is sitting together around a table at least once a day, having a meal, um, playing board games, you know, anything that you as a family do together and then um, establish as a sort of a family tradition, you know, on, on Friday night, we all make pizza together, you know, or on um, once a month on a Sunday, we all come together and we have a, um, you know, like we go for a walk or something like that, but, but some sort of a ritual that makes, you know, you all be together in one team is so important for, for tying and keeping families together. Hey, Timas, let me hear from you. What is your experience uh, being a step-parent? I've seen some memes on social media of uh, people saying, your step-parenting is not easy and the like. So I want to hear. And if you were raised by a step-parent, um, how was that experience? I mean, I'll share my experience with you. Um, I, I, I was I was raised by a stepdad uh, who passed on. May his soul rest in peace. Corner, and I must, I, I, I must say, even up until today, this was many years ago. I was only about seven when he passed away. Um, mm -hmm. And till today, I think of my dad, who's a stepdad biologically, mm -hmm. as my dad and the love that I had from him. And there are moments yeah. that I still remember, you know, there, there are songs that would play up until today, I'm a grown woman with children. There's a specific yeah. song that plays that he used to play for me on his saxophone. And when that play, mm. song plays, tears flow from my eyes because I remember mm. the love. I never felt like I was a stepchild. Um, and yeah. for me, that experience taught me that love is holistic. Love is not whether you come from my loins or not. And I think it's also um, proven in the way we interact with our friends who are not biological, but we mm. are able to love our friends. We are able to love colleagues and be there for each other. So for yeah. me, being raised by a stepfather has taught me love, love that till today brings tears to my eyes. You know, yeah. so I'd love to hear from other A-teamers how they've had their experiences. And I'm sure others have not had such a beautiful experience, but let's, let's share them and maybe we can work past those experiences. So, Corner, in terms of step parenting, right, um, how do you do what Apostle Paul, our A-teamer, is doing? Show no impartiality. Be equal to all the children, whether they are yours biologically or not yours biologically. How do you set that ground rule within your family? And how do you find it within yourself to be loving to all children equally? Um, I think I'm going to try and answer that question with a story that comes from a friend of mine. She, um, she's got two sons, but the one is from a previous relationship and the younger one is from her current relationship and as the boys grew up they love each other very much but the older boy of course knew that her husband was not his dad and at one one point he came to her and he said to her he understands that he's not his biological dad but does that mean he cannot call him dad 
Mm. And um, so she was a little bit, you know, like all of a sudden these, you know, like deep questions that sometimes comes from your children. And she came up with this amazing analogy or image in their garden they've got a beautiful tree and they love to play in the tree climbing the tree a lot of their games centered around this tree that is in their garden and they've been living in that house for i think like maybe five or seven years but they did not plant the tree so she said to him listen that tree that is in our garden is that our tree and he's like yes and she's like but why is that our tree and he's like well because it lives here with us and we love it and we love playing with it and all of this. And she said, but we did not plant the tree. Does that mean that that tree belongs to the person who planted it? And I thought that was such a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. That idea of, you know, although you were not planted or you were planted by a different person doesn't mean that you are not loved by the one and cannot love the one that you are with. And, um, so that unconditional, again, what we got from um, the pastor that, you know, absolutely no mine or yours, but this beautiful individual that's been given to you, um, as he said, you know, he's God given children. I think um, if we can look at our children, whether they come from our DNA, from our blood, from our bodies or from somebody else's, they've been placed in our love and in our life to care for and to nurture and to make sure, you know, that they will be able to um, eventually have a well-balanced and loving relationship with whomever they choose to be with when they grow up. Sure, what a beautiful story um, that you've just shared with us. Uh, and and I, I think it, it's how we as as adults relate uh, to our children what circumstances we are in because a blended family is just as beautiful as any other family my question mm. now is what if the children are reluctant to to engage with their step parent i mean they they don't really like this new stepmom mm. or stepdad they are not you know they they just how do you deal with that? Because you can't throw your children away. And here you are, you've committed yourself into a relationship. You, you don't want mm. to, you know, stop being in your relationship. And these children are yeah. obvious you in know, showing um, that they don't like this person. How yeah. Do you yeah. So I think the first thing is that we should be very um, gentle in the adaptation phase. You know, it is going to be difficult Um I don't know if I can share a personal story here. My, um, I think you know that my husband passed away a few years ago and I'm in a new relationship. And when I introduced my partner to my children, I first had a conversation with them and I said, look, um, I know intellectually you understand that I'm in a relationship, but I'm not sure how you feel about this emotionally. And my daughter then burst out in tears and said to me that although she really wants to be okay with this for me, she's not sure if she's okay with that for herself. So we have to allow our children to not be okay with this. It is, you know, an adaptation for them. Um, they will eventually, you know, like any people who spend time with each other, grow closer. And I think if we do not force, you know, if there's a 
Einstein's, um, or who was it, Newton, that said an opposite um, uh, action will have an opposite and equal reaction. If we push, the child is going to pull away. So I think it's very, very important to manage um, the relationship from both sides. They are allowed to not be happy with a relationship. They are allowed to maybe even not like your partner. But you can say things like, um, I do need you to be respectful of this person in my life because they make me happy and I have chosen them and they have chosen us. And um, I think that thing of patience, you know, time and patience. And if we do not push, there won't be emotional reactions to this. And there will be a time when people can get used to each other, get used to the new way of living, get used to new ways of doing things. You know, um, we humans do not like changes. <laughs> so, a major change like, you know, a new person in your life, you know, in your house constantly, especially we find that the hardest, um, it, it's obviously generalization. Sometimes you get younger or older ones that are having a really difficult time. But of course, the teenagers find it most difficult because they are in that very complicated phase where they are adapting from being a child to being an adult. And now there's even more disruption in mm -hmm. their lives, you know. So I think it is so important that we respect the child's right to feel the way that they feel, but not judge them and not push. But they also, from their side, need to be respectful towards your relationship, you know. So it's like a, a give and take. We are always um, giving something to get something. And again, conversation, conversation, conversation. <laughs> what are some of the things that uh, step parents that find themselves in the situation where the children don't necessarily like them? And maybe it's because there's fear, um, there's inhibitions, there's, you know, I, I miss my parent my dad or my mom mm -hmm. um, but what mm -hmm. are the things that a step parent can do uh, with their god-given children or their step children to start the relationship off a bit better what should they mm. be doing? Because I, I personally, when I think, oh, maybe take them all to counselling, I think that would be just making it uncomfortable for the children because they don't know mm. this person. They are judging them yeah. based on their own fears. So what sort of activities can we do? Um, and the communication would be difficult, especially if it's teenagers with a person mm. that they just don't like. Yeah, I think the important thing from, so let us talk from the parent's side who is on the not being liked, you know, coin of this scenario. The first thing is, I think that is required is understanding, you know, that we have compassion for this child. They might have lost a father or a mother, or they, you know, maybe in a divorce situation where the other parent might also have um I almost want to say new children, you know, children from another relationship. So we have to be compassionate and understand that this is an immensely difficult situation for the child to be in. And children very often do not have the emotional vocabulary or just the understanding, you know, of their own emotions to see that when I say I hate you or I don't like you, it actually means 
that I am sad because I've lost my mom or I am sad because I'm no longer living with my dad or I am scared that you are not going to like me. So um, compassion from the parent who is not being liked side. The first thing is that we have to understand that we are the parents, you know, we are the adults. So they are going to look to you for guidance in this. And then like any other relationship, it is about respectful acquaintance first, finding out what they are interested in, maybe doing things, you know, the music is such an amazing thing that brings people together through, you know, ages and nationalities and, and everything. I find that if a child shares their music with you, it might be like they are showing you a little bit of their soul, you know. So it's it sounds really um, sort of um, shallow to say, talk to them about music, you know. But when you talk to them about music, you talk to them about something that they like. Talk to them about, you know, the kids all play games. They are on social media. Um if you look on the internet, you will find things like, I think they, they call it a um, conversation jar, but it's basically a whole bunch of questions that you can look at. What, what I normally tell my um, uh, families is that, you know, we have this conversation jar and in the jar, there are questions. So you sit around the table, you know, this is like a little activity, but it's also getting to know each other. So you pull a question out of the jar and the question might say something like, um, if you had a magic wand, um, which of the teachers in your school would you like to make disappear? You know, that kind of thing. So it's not a... Um, uh, how was your day at school kind of thing, you know, but the, the, the big thing is to open, keep that communication channel open. In other words, we have to talk to each other, even if it's about soccer or, you know, um, something happening on TV, some program that you both like to watch or something like that. But that flow of communication need to be there and need to be, protected almost so that when the important words need to be said that communication channel is open let's take a quick break so, we'll be back a teamers you can join in on the conversation as we talk blended families and step parenting uh, 011-714-2006 that's where you can get us alternatively whatsapp 0614-104-107 sms's go to 41391 Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Closet Conversations. We are in conversation with uh, Corona Olifier, who is a registered counsellor in private practice and has a master's degree in psychology. She also lectures uh, psychology at a private tertiary institution. We're talking blended families and step-parenting. You know, we want to make them work because... All families are beautiful in their own way. So do join in on the conversation. Give us your experience. How are you parenting um, when it comes to step parenting? What is your blended family looking like? I'd love to hear some tips from you. 011-714-2006. So there's a WhatsApp here. And our WhatsApp number is 614 This WhatsApp says, in my case, it's my older brother's son. And that was an 
um, an expert who said that can also be regarded as blended family. I just needed to clear that. My brother's son was welcomed as one of us and raised like a sibling of ours. And yes, his father is still alive. I understand in most families an outsider can be ill-treated at times, but in this case, it's the other way around. Not all, but such people are very manipulative. And yes, I have still witness, I'm still witnessing that. It's hard. Shoo. All right. So there's a manipulative uh, uh, young man here, the brother's son, who came into the family, mm. raised well, manipulative. How does a family deal with uh, such a child? Mm. The, um, we have to wonder where the need to manipulate comes from or who modeled this behavior to him. In other words, how did he learn to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then why does he do this? Um, unfortunately, you know, they are, um, we are very familiar with the term um, narcissist. So a narcissist is the kind of person who um, are so good at manipulating, but they manipulate um, to give them power. So they're, um, you know, I sort of talk about the existential void. <laughs> when somebody is, um, you know, like having maladaptive behavior, in other words, something that they are doing is not good for other people, we have to find out why is it that he is doing this. And, um, you know, the question there is, do you care enough to get involved? Because this young lady that's, um, or young man, I'm not sure if it's a lady or a man who um, WhatsApp, um, it's going to take a lot of effort to, to find out why this manipulation is there. And, um, you know, then to try and negotiate this whole process of the young man coming to terms with whatever the need in his life is. And of course, it's not her responsibility. You know, um, in blended families, um, amongst the siblings, what happens very often is that the children end up feeling responsible for the parents' happiness. And they end up taking weight or roles onto themselves, which is not really good for them, you know, because they end up maybe not enjoying their childhood or experiencing stress or that kind of thing. So um, what I would like to say to the um, person who WhatsApp is, um, how important is this to you? If it is damaging the family, if it is harming people that you really care about, then of course it is worth um, putting effort into. But I think when you are saying he is very manipulative, this means that I don't think this is something that will be able to be fixed by just having a conversation in the family because manipulation is a habit. In other words, it's a neurological pathway that this child has created for themselves because at some point it was something that served them. It helped them to meet some challenge that was in their life or to make them feel good. And that, unfortunately, is likely to be um, a case where the individual will need to get therapy from a counsellor or somebody that is, um, you know, even coaches can help you with this, but they might definitely need professional help in that case.
when we were talking earlier about uh, step parents and the step children and the dynamics, you find that there are other step parents who come in and want to play the knight in shining armor, uh, mommy hero, mm-hmm. and they almost want to replace the biological parent, whether it's a stepdad trying to replace the biological mother or it's a step um, uh, mom and dad, vice versa. How can we stop that as adults? How can we play mm-hmm. our role and play it lovingly and not try to overshadow yeah. or black mouth, bad mouth the, the other parent, mm-hmm. the biological parent? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the minute you say something bad about somebody else, it makes you look bad. Um, you know, you will find if you watch um, all the listeners, when you li- when you are sitting in a group of friends and you hear someone saying something bad about somebody else, if you sort of um, are aware of your own opinion enough, you will realize that the minute somebody says something bad about someone else, you think less of them because immediately they are showing you their insecurities. So when you, as a parent, try to take over a role which does not belong to you, you have to acknowledge the fact that this is because of some kind of an insecurity. And the thing is, your partner chose you. And although the children might not necessarily have chosen you, you do not have to prove your worth. You are there and your role is to love them, not as their mother or their father, but as the person in the house, which is a significant other of their parent. And love at the end of the day, whether somebody is your biological child or your adopted child or a friend that just moved into the house and stay there for a bit, um, a brother's son, a sister's son. We have so many instances in South Africa where Um, grandmothers are raising children. Whatever the relationship is, when we love someone, we love them. And um, we love differently, but it's a, it's a, not a, you know, it's not a measurable difference. It's a difference that can be felt. Um, Somebody once said that, you know, when you have another child, it's not as if the space in your heart becomes smaller so you've got less love to give them when you love another child it's like your heart is becoming bigger so <laughs> sorry i feel like i'm talking a whole lot tonight no, no, but it's very important because we're talking about something that's very critical let's go to mm. this message here give me a picture and our lovely guest let's say sometimes this mom raises the children the children regard her as a stepmother. If this stepmother lovingly encourages his children, and the children have paternal aunties who are so toxic, who do employ these children to get rid of their brother's marriage. So, what can a psychologist do? Research is that this marriage that will end up being rocky as a result of this sister's to this father. Who are so toxic? So, what can a psychologist do to see to it that she saves the marriage? Good evening, lovely sisters. I would have from Fish. 
All right. Uh, thank you very much, A-Teamer, for that question. I don't know if you heard, uh, Corner, um, what our A-Teamer was saying around what can be done. Um, can you please um, okay, just repeat the I'll, gist of it? Because, yeah, yo, there was broken up bits. All mm. right. I'll recap. So our A-Teamer is saying what happens in a case where uh, the stepmom is there and, you know, the, the kids are being negatively influenced to remove the stepmom for the, um, from the, the father's life because of the influence from the aunts who are the husband's uh, sisters. Mm. Um, so how mm. do you deal with that? Because now there's external factors being, you know, the aunts of these children uh, who are mm. biological aunts and also sisters to the husband. Yeah, um, this happens so often, you know, it's already such a complicated situation getting two individuals together and then try and blend their families. When we have the um, sort of further removed family members involving themselves, it becomes like the caller said, a toxic situation. Um, we have to understand that here, the sisters are, um, as far as I am concerned, I am not sure whether there is a, a difficulty in the relationship, but as far as I'm concerned, in this situation, the sisters truly are not acting on their brother's best behalf. They, If they say that they love their brother, um, then surely they must be um, respectful of his choice of the stepmother. And um, I don't know if there might be more information that we are we are missing, you know, but I am understanding that, you know, once again, it's that thing of um, when something new happens. So she might be, you know, sometimes we are so quick to judge people when they are just a little bit different from ourselves. So she might be from a different culture. Um, she might be from a different church. You know, there is a there is a underlying reason why they don't like her, and of course, or why they don't want her in the brother's life. Um, but that is really the responsibility of the brother, because at the end of the day, the two major role players in the relationship is the two partners, the ones that are involved with each other, and they have committed to each other. And together, they have to form a unity. And I almost want to use the word against the elements that are against their relationship. So um, their relationship is almost like a child that they have to now look after and protect against the family members who are trying to break this um, relationship up. I need, I think what is important there is that the husband um, need to have a conversation with his sisters yeah. because at the end of the day, it is the, the, the husband who's experiencing the pressure from the sisters. And I think the responsibility there lies with him. Yeah, and I suppose uh, have a conversation with the sisters, but also bring the children in to hear what their needs are, what their concerns mm. are as individuals. Mm. Let me read this one, then yeah. we can close off. It says, hi, Sis Pat, we, we got love for the kids, but the fathers don't see our intentions. For my instance, my bae has a child, and I told him outside of us or outside of him, I want to know his daughter even 
when we go shopping. If I see something I like for her, I buy it. So here's a, a step mommy who's trying to mm. step up, but she feels that sometimes the father doesn't see his her intentions. Um, mm. Yeah, so I, I don't know how can they navigate this. <laughs> so the question here is, why is she doing this? Is she trying to foster a relationship with a daughter to make her look better in the eyes of the father? Because if that is the situation, then she is going to have to reconsider um, her attitude or her actions. If it is solely to be there as a support for the daughter, whatever the dad thinks really should not matter. You know, I don't think the dad will actively prevent her from having a relationship with his daughter. And of course, if he does, she has to ask him, but why? You know, because her intentions are good. She clearly cares for the child, but um, we have to be very careful that we don't, sometimes we don't realize that we are, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to use the word manipulate, you know, where you are sort of manipulating um, the, the parent of the child by, you know, like creating a relationship with a child. You need to focus on the child and your intentions should be pure in the sense of the child support, the child um, relationship that you are building. Um, yeah, I, but maybe, you know, there might be a situation where sometimes, and I'm generalizing here again, sometimes men find it harder to express their emotions. Yeah. So I don't know whether she might just not, or whether the father might just not be able to express that he actually appreciates what she does, you know, um, and that she feels that she doesn't get the acknowledgement because he simply doesn't have the emotional vocabulary to express himself. <laughs> all right, all right, I hear you. And I'm glad that you're holistic in your response, not only taking the side of the one um, person. Corner, um, um, how do people get in touch with you if they'd like some assistance? Um, the easiest way would be to use my email address, corna.willifir um, at gmail.com. And... Um, yeah, I uh, respond to my emails very quickly. Um, I have recently started seeing clients face to face again. I used to only do Zoom after our pandemic. Um, yeah, but they, the easiest would be to contact me via um, my email address. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us. Please do have a great evening and may you have a blessed rest of the week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. A-teamers, that rounds off this evening's uh, late night conversation. I hope you are all enriched uh, with the, the conversations that we did have. Let's uh, meet again for the Wednesday edition of Late Night Conversations at 10 p.m. on Wednesday. And we can continue interacting on social media platforms at SAFM at Radio at Patricia N. Dooley. That's where we can interact. From us, may goodness and grace lead you all to the great heights of success.